This is Bethel Temple Church's podcast. Here at Bethel Temple, our desire is to see people changed, delivered, and set free as they experience the light of Jesus. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. I am excited. But as we begin this Passion Week, I felt it was really, you know, uh, befitting for us to move into a sermon series that, that God had put in my heart. It's called Resurrecting Hope. And there's a subtitle. It's a confident expectation. And that's really important. And you can see why in a little while. See, throughout the history of the church, they're, 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 the church has, has learned how to, 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 to you know, expect hope to, no matter what they're going through, that you learn to, you know, believe and trust and have hope, even in the midst of circumstances. And how many of you know that in this life, you're going to have some challenges? There are going to be some circumstances, some situations that are going to press you real hard. But, but when we're down for the count, you know, when we, we feel like we have hit rock bottom and we, we feel like, you know, something needs to, to come in to give us some new life, you know, you got a dead situation. Guess what's not going to help you? Wishful thinking. See, wishful thinking is not going to get you up out of your dead situation. Because wishful thinking is just what it is. It's just what it says. Wishful thinking. There's a 50-50 chance that it may happen. And a 50-50 chance that it may not. Now, I don't know about you. But when I'm in a circumstance, and I'm calling on God, I'm glad we don't serve a 50-50 God. <laughs> Where it's a coin toss, and heads you win, tails you lose, and you don't know which way the coin's going to hit the ground. But aren't you glad you serve a God that's 100%? <laughs> See, when we're in those circumstances, we need a living hope. And the only way we're going to have the living hope, we got to get it from the living God. And the only one who can give us that is Jesus Christ. You can't get it from anybody else. Amen. Look, our foundational scripture for this series is going to be coming from 1 Peter, the first chapter. If you could turn there, we can begin at verse 3. And this is going to be our, our, our scripture that's going to, going to lead us through this charge of these sermons that we're going to have regarding hope. 1 Peter 1, beginning at verse 3. <clears throat> and it says, Blessed be the God and, fa- and Father, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 3 is the main part that, that, that he has gotten us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, I was preparing for this message. I, I came across an interesting study, uh, and the study was done by a group of psychologists, and they were researching to find out 
are, are the connection between hope and survival. So they performed this, this experiment on these some Norwegian uh, uh, wharf rats. And what they did, they took one group of rats and they put them into a vat. And, and they began to let water run down in the vat. And, and the water was coming in so that they, you know, they continually, you know, they couldn't get their balance. They just kept turning over and, 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 and you know, they, 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 kept, they couldn't float. They just kept moving it over and over and over and over again. And these, these rats survived an average of 17 minutes before they drown. But then they decided to put in another group of rats in the same vat and they began to do the same thing. They put some water in there and they began to see them struggle the same way the other rats did, but before they drowned, they took them out. They waited a couple of days and they put them back in that same situation again. Those same rats that they saved out of that circumstance right before they drowned. And they began to do the same thing. They began to, 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 to experience the water. They began to experience all the same things they experienced before. But something happened. It was a little bit different. See, last time it only lasted 17 minutes. But this time it was 36 hours that went by. And they still was in there having a good time in the water. Why? See, they understood something. The last time they were in that circumstance, they were saved. So what happened, Pastor Charles? They had some hope. See, those rats understood the last time I was in this circumstance, right in the midst, right before this thing overtook me, I was pulled out of that circumstance. So when it happened again, they had hope. They were looking to be pulled out of there. They were looking to be saved again from that situation. See, understand something. Hope is a vital part of you and I in our lives. We live this life. We need some hope. Without hope, we're just like those rats. See, if we don't have hope, then there's nothing that's going to pull us out of our situations that are dragging us down. And there's nothing that's going to help us when, we, when we're down and rock bottom and we have nothing to look forward to. There's no way out when we have no hope. And as I said earlier, when you're in that circumstance, wishful thinking is not what you need to get you out of your dead situation. Because if you flip the coin and then land on the wrong side, guess what? You're going to be just like the rats who had no hope. So what is hope? What is hope? Why is hope so important? Let me give you a couple of definitions. Merriam-Webster's dictionary. We'll do that first. It says, hope is to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or to be true. Now, this secular view uh, of hope is just what we said. It's wishful thinking. See, what are some words? It, it, when it says it's to cherish, it's a desire to want something to happen or to be true. There's doubt there. There, there. There's uncertainty in that definition. There's uncertainty in wishful thinking. See, there's a great desire, but there's no assurance of the fulfillment. See, you desire it, but I don't know if it's going to happen. See, that's not the type of hope that we as believers 
need. That's not the type of hope that we as believers have the opportunity to experience. See, see, the hope that's used here uh, in this text comes from a Greek word, um, elpizo, and it means to anticipate, expectation, or confidence. Now look at Holman Bible Dictionary definition of hope. It's a strong and confident expectation. It don't stop right there. It's the fulfillment of God's promises. Now that's hope. How many of you know that God's promises won't fail? How many know that God says something, if he says something, he's not going to change his mind. He's not going to leave you hanging out there. He's not going to say, well, I decided not to do that. No. It's the fulfillment of his promise. See, biblical hope never carries with it doubt. It never carries with it uncertainty. <laughs> See, there's a confident expectation. You're not just desiring, you know, but you have a confident expectation, oh, it's going to happen. That's the kind of hope that we need. See, there's a favorable outcome. You know, oh, God, it's going to happen because I know you're going to fulfill your promises. That's why I always encourage you, whatever your circumstance is, go find it in God's Word. And then you can begin to pray that. You can begin to speak that. Write it on a piece of paper. Stick it on your refrigerator. Put it on your mirror. Because we all look in the mirror every day. Put it on the mirror so you can see that. Every day a reminder of his word. Because he's going to fulfill his word. He's not going to fall short. He's not going to leave you hanging. So the hope that we experience is simply a confident expectation. So if you don't remember anything else about hope, remember that it's a confident expectation, not wishful thinking, not I hope it happens. And y'all stop saying for, stop saying uh, uh, if it's the Lord's will. <laughs> That's an old habit that we don't form. If it's in his word, it's his will. So stop saying if it's his will. Come on, That was for somebody because I ain't had that written down. God just gave me that. I used to say that if it's the Lord's will. But I realized something one day. This meaning, I'm not talking about y'all. I realized one day a long time ago when I used to say that, the reason why I used to say that was because I didn't know what his will was. But when I begin to understand what the will of God is for my life, I had to say that no more. Because I knew what his will was. I knew his will was for me uh, to be the head and not the tail. I knew his will for me is to be whole and not broken all down. I knew his will is for me to be healed and not sick. I knew his will is for me to be saved and not lost. I knew his will is for me to lay hands on the sick and they recover. I know it's willing for me to, to look at the devil straight in the face and say, get out the way. His will. <laughs> see, see, confident expectation. It's the type of confidence that, 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 that Paul shares about Abraham in Romans, the fourth chapter. 
I, I love this verse of Scripture, uh, uh, verse 18, 418. But I'm going to use the, 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 the Passion Version here because I, I just love the way it breaks it down. See, this is the kind of hope that we're supposed to have. This is what it says. It says, against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. Now, that ain't wishful thinking. It, it, it said he believed the promise and he expected God to fulfill it. It goes on to say he took God at his word. And as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. What was it? That your descendants will be so many that they won't be able, it'd be impossible to count them. Y'all know those descendants are still being added to even now in this day and time. Who can number? No. Matter of fact, it's going to be so many that it's going to be like the, 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 little, the little pieces of sand. You ever tried to count sand? Grab a handful of sand and see how many, how many, how many, how many little pieces you can count. You can't count but that's what this promise, he, he understood something. Understand this, Abraham was 99 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. They were beyond childbearing days. But yet and still, he had a confident expectation that God was going to fulfill the promise. He knew that God was going to resurrect some stuff that was dead. Some of y'all got that. He was going to resurrect some things. So you understand something? There's a principle here. The principle is this. Where there is hope, there is faith. And where there is faith, that's when miracles happen. So those things are all tied together. Where there's hope, there's faith. When you got hope, you got faith. So you can't have hope without faith. And if you got faith, it's easy to have hope. And when you put those two things together, when you add them together, what's going to result? It's going to be a miracle. See, we're looking for miracles to happen. But you got to have hope, and you got to join your hope with some faith, and then we'll begin to see those things take place right before us. And if you know anything about that story, uh, 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 Abraham was 100 years old, and they say that, that Sarah was, she was either 90 or 91, depends on what commentator you look at, and guess what happened? There was this little baby born named Isaac. That was the miracle that took place when what was dead was resurrected and the rest is history. We still counting. <laughs> That's the same thing Peter was trying to get us to see in 1 Peter. See, you understand, when we are born the first time, we are born into a, 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 a dead hope because you're born into sin. I don't care what your last name is, who your mother, father, where you grow up, it doesn't matter. You born into sin. You got a dead hope. 
David confessed this in Psalm 51. He said, he said, surely I, I was sinful at birth. Now he ain't even, he, look, he talking about when I was born. But that's what happened when sin entered in. But then he said, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Come on, somebody say, but God. Come on, say it one more time. But God. See, aren't you glad about God? Because Peter, if you look at this text, Peter broke out in this celebration. Peter saying something here. He was praising God. He talks about for God's mercy. Because of his mercy, we didn't have to continue to have a dead hope. As a matter of fact, we were born dead. But now he's saying because of his mercy and because he sent Jesus, we can get a new birth. And when you receive that new birth through Jesus, now we're going to experience a living hope. So your dead hope now is a living hope, but you're only going to have the living hope through Jesus Christ. So outside of Jesus, you still got dead hope. Wishful thinking. But in him, you got this living hope. I mean, it's just not an ordinary living. It's an extraordinary living hope. It's not something that you can just go get out the store. But no, it's something that you could have never imagined. A hope that goes beyond your finite mind of understanding. <laughs> See, our confident expectation is secured in Jesus, not in us. Aren't you glad? Look. We'll lead each other down the wrong road. We'll take each other, follow me, right off the cliff. But no, we are safe and secure in Jesus. It doesn't matter in light of your trials, in light of your tribulations, because Jesus died and because he was resurrected, when he got up out of his deadness, we got up too. And see, this season, we're in this Easter season, and we're in this time, this should be a constant reminder of what Jesus did. What he did for us. We should also be a constant reminder that, 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 that he is our hope of glory. That, 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 that he has overcome the world and because he has overcome the world and we accept him in us, guess what we do? We are overcomers as well. That's how we can find light. You know, when we're walking in darkness, when we're in circumstances and trials and tribulations, we can find light. Why? Because the light that we have is the light from Christ. See, see, as he lives, we are alive. And because he lives, he gives us hope. Confident. Come on, somebody say confident. confident. Expectation. But just think about it for a minute. I, 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 I had to think about during that time. Think about his disciples and his followers in that moment. Man, I can only imagine that, that they went through a roller coaster of emotions. They had just celebrated the triumphal entry of their king. Oh, they were praising, oh, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were celebrating him. Only a few days later, they see him hanging on a cross, dying. They see his last breath go out of his body. And they see him put down his head. They see him taken down off the cross and put into a tomb and sealed with a humongous boulder rock. And with guards outside. Could you imagine the roller coaster of emotions? 
They had placed all their hopes in Jesus. They gave up everything to follow him. They saw him work miracles. They saw him cast out demons and devils. They, they saw him raise the dead. They saw him do all types of things before them. And he encouraged them, you do the same. And in the midst of all their celebration, he goes to the grave. <laughs> On Good Friday, <laughs> Good Friday, they watched him leave this life. But <laughs> think about it. After all of that, to see that happen, don't you think that was like a that was like a knockout punch? That was like a, that was like one of those didn't see it coming. Right hooks, uppercuts, they knock you out before you hit the ground. But somebody say, but God. Y'all keep that in your mind, but God. See, understand something. Unrealized hope, man, that is, that's one of the most painful things you can experience. When you, when you, when you got something that, that, oh my gosh, and it doesn't happen. Proverbs 13 and 12 says this way, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So you got this hope. You were like, oh God, I'm, and, and it don't happen. Sometimes we experience things, hopeful, you know, things that are insignificant, and sometimes they're things that are great. Sometimes it can be something so simple. Sometimes it can be something that, my gosh, you just can't recover from. Disappointment can look like, what does it look like in our lives? Sometimes it can be something as simple as you done poured a whole big bowl of cereal and realize you ain't got no milk. <laughs> That's disappointment. Shake it. Ain't nothing else coming out of there. So you're going to eat it dry. Or oh, I seen people put water on it. <laughs> or or, 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 or the, the, the agony of defeat. See, remember when they was trying to get that last play? He ran and slid, but he didn't have enough time to get the next play off. And the clock ran out, zero. Game over, season over. Or even this empty sanctuary. When COVID hit, and we stood up here and we looked out, and all I saw was the empty seats. And all I heard was my voice echoing back to me. I didn't hear no laughter. I didn't hear no amen, go ahead, pastor. I didn't hear say it again. I didn't hear Yvonne when she get her little whoo. I couldn't hear none of that. Or even maybe a loss of a loved one. That hits home. Every one of those pictures carries with it some type of emotion that we experience relative to hope. Some of them have easy solutions. Well, if you ran out of milk, go to the store. Dallas, get another chance. Season will come around again. We don't know what they're going to do, but. <laughs> Sanctuary, look around. Look around. 
Some things are more permanent. When we lose a loved one, that's the end. We have to carry them in our hearts because we can't bring them back. Sometimes it's just crushing. So that was the feeling that those who follow Jesus, the disciples and his followers, they had this crushing feeling. <laughs> but after three days, something happened. See, 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 they needed something to resurrect their hope. They needed something to give them a new hope and a new life. God, I need something. And I believe some of you are like that today that are here. I believe some of you have, have, have you need some resurrection hope. You need to resurrect some things in your life that are dead. Life hasn't been easy. Things have been tough. Some of you are going through circumstances. Some of you got a bad report from the doctor. Or somebody had a relationship that ended. Somebody lost a job. Somebody is in need of a way to, to take care of their family. And they don't know what tomorrow is going to be. These things weigh heavy. I don't discount them. I don't, I don't take them lightly. I don't say, oh, oh, just, just press into God. No, I understand. Been there. Been in some of those circumstances. So I understand what it feels like to have that heaviness on you. But I want you to know something. God cares about those circumstances. And because he is the light of the world, and because he is our hope, guess what? He said, I'm going to give you some hope, which is a confident expectation that I'm going to work these situations out for you. And so in my time I have left, I got a few things I want to encourage you with, just a few thoughts regarding uh, hope, this confident expectation. What's the first thing? The first thing is this. Hope shows up when you least expect it. See, hope comes when you ain't even looking for it. It shows up when you least expect it. <laughs> see, see, with Jesus, listen, on the third day after, after, after his death, early morning there was a woman, Mary, Magdalene. She went to his tomb. Some say she was going there to anoint his body. She went there. And when she arrived, she found the tomb was empty. Turn to John right now, John, the 20th chapter, verses 11 through 13. Hope shows up when you least expect it. John 20. And it says, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. See, as Mary looks into that tomb uh, 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 where Jesus had laid, all she can see is what was missing. She saw that his body was gone. See, Mary failed to see uh, 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 what is there. So she focused on, on, on the facts that Jesus' body was nowhere to be found. She didn't even realize that there were angels in the tomb. 
I can only imagine at that moment, that was like adding, adding uh, 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 injury to insult, insult to injury, because she had just gone through the triumphal injury, celebrating, dying on the cross, being put in the tomb, and then she get there, now he gone. Can't find him. His body is gone. Somebody done took him. Done stole my Jesus out the tomb. She finished talking to the angels and, 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 and she turned to leave and guess what? She came face to face with Jesus. <laughs> Look at verse 14. It says, it says now when she uh, uh, had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know it was him. See, she didn't even realize it was Jesus. She didn't realize that resurrection hope was standing right in front of her. <laughs> see, she couldn't see Jesus because she couldn't see through the fog of her despair. All she could think about is all the anguish and everything that she had experienced over the last few days. You ever been there where the hope is right before you, but you can't see it because you're so, you're so consumed with all the stuff that's going on? And the answer is right there. Jesus said, I'm here, I'm here, hey. But we can't see it because we're like, oh God, I'm in this circumstance. And he's saying, look up. See, that's what happens when we lose hope. We get so consumed in our circumstance that we don't see what's before us. See, sometimes when these things hit us, it's devastating. And, 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 and so we find ourselves reeling and we're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And he's right there. <laughs> see, we begin to fixate ourselves on what has not happened. You ever been there? You, you, you begin to think about what you don't have. You begin to think about what somebody didn't do. You begin to think about what's missing. And all that stuff clouds your judgment and it clouds your vision and you can't see. Resurrecting hope is right there to resurrect your dead situation. <laughs> But when the fog lifted, you know, if the fog lifts, then you begin to see, oh, oh, Jesus was there. He was right there all the time. See, resurrection hope shows up when you least expect it. But you got to be looking through the fog to see it. Because you're not going to always have a clear view. But you got to know that he's there. See, I read Proverbs 13 and 12 earlier that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I didn't read the second part of that. See, the last part of the verse says this, but oh, when it comes, it's a tree of life. See, sometimes we get stuck on the first part. Oh, man, hope deferred. Man, I'm so down. But it says when it comes, oh, my gosh, it's a tree of life. It ain't a little branch. It's not a, 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 a little plant, but it says it's a tree of life. <laughs> See, God is in the business of resurrecting hope 
within us. That's who he is. But sometimes God moves in his own way. Sometimes he moves in these subtle ways. Sometimes we're looking for God. You know, we think God is the genie in the bottle, and we can just rub the bottle, take the top off, and Jesus is going to come out and do what we need. But that's not how he operates. See, the key is our expectation. See, that's why I said hope is a confident expectation. So it's about your expectation level. What is it? That's what determines the hope that's going to come. And most of the time, hope comes in unexpected places. So you can get an expected hope, but it's not going to come the way you think it is. But trust that it's going to come. <sighs> See, why you say that? Ask me that. Why you say that, Pastor John? Glad you asked. That brings me to the second point. See, hope comes at the right time. How many know that God is never late? He's never been tardy. He's never missed an appointment. Even, even with Lazarus, he didn't miss the appointment. He wasn't late. He knew what he was doing. He said, I'm going to let him stay there a few more days, let him get stinking. So when I raise him up, Oh, they're going to really know. When he come walking out of there, he's not going to come out decayed and stinking. He's going to come out clean and whole. You know what he was doing? See, Jesus' compassion is what drove him to the cross. His love. His love is what got him up on the third day. His love. He didn't just go and disappear But that's how Jesus is. Even in the midst of Mary, when he met her in the doorway, he, didn't, he could have said, Mary, oh, ye of little faith. He could have chastised her. He could have said, why are you crying? I told you I was coming back. But he was concerned about her. He, he, look, at, at verse 15, he's he, he talking about her tears. He's feeling her pain. What did he say to her? He said, woman, why you weeping? He said, whom you seeking? See, she still didn't even know who he was. Who you looking for? She thought he was a gardener. See how, 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 how the fog of despair could get us all blinded? She's standing right in front of Jesus. The resurrection hope. The one that she came to, to, to anoint. The one that she'd been following. And she couldn't even recognize that it was him. Because she was, her mind was fogged up because of her despair. She says to him, she says, sir, uh, 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 if you've carried him away, can you tell me where you laid him? And she's talking to Jesus. <laughs> can you imagine Jesus? Not know about Jesus. <laughs> I'd be like, serious? You now we say, serious? Seriously? <sighs> but right in the midst, when she had given up all hope, Jesus asked her, why are you crying? See, she was crying because she had a devotion and a love for Christ. 
She, 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 she trusted in him. She, she looked to him to be her, her, her leader. She, she looked to him to be the savior. She knew who he was. And the fact that he was now gone gave her grief. <laughs> but I believe there's something important about, about, about Gardner. Now, of all the things, of all the people she could have called him, well, she didn't call him a soldier. She didn't call him, a, you know, a, a, a shepherd that was out there just happened to be passing by. She said, uh, 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 she thought he was a gardener. And I thought that was significant. And, and the reason why I think that's significant is because uh, 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 when you think about a gardener, what does a gardener do? A gardener tends the garden. So what does a gardener do? The gardener plants the seeds, he waters it, and he takes care of it, fertilizes it. What else does a gardener do? He pulls the weeds and stuff out that tries to come in to take the life away. So you realize right there in the midst of her brokenness, the gardener was plucking the weeds up. He, 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 was, he was making sure that, 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 that what was planted was going to grow without hindrance. I don't think it was an accident that she, she thought he was a gardener. Because I believe everything that God puts in his word has a purpose. He's trying to show us something. If you even think about, look, the Garden of Eden was a perfect place. Ain't even no gardener out there. Not until sin came. Everything was perfect. But because sin came, now we need a gardener. See, now we got weeds we got to pluck up. We got some ground that won't, that won't yield no crops. But everything in, in Eden at that time was perfect. Had everything. The weather was perfect. They didn't get sunburned. So the sun wasn't so hot. They didn't need no suntan lotion. They didn't need no clothes. Everything they needed to eat to nourish them was there. Everything. They didn't have to water nothing. They didn't have to go and treat no ground. They didn't have to go and do. It was perfect. But now we need a gardener. And so that's why I believe that, that she, okay, that must be the gardener. But she didn't realize that it was the resurrection hope. See, understand something. In the midst of man's darkest time, God shows up right on time. See, see right in the midst of all the sin and shame, all the oppression that, that, that they were experiencing right then, Jesus shows up on the scene and begins to, to, to let them know, oh, I'm the Messiah that's been sent, that's going to change the world. I came to save the lost. I came to repair the breach. And so you got to understand that that's how it is for your life, that in the midst of your circumstance, Jesus ain't late. He's going to show up right on time. And he's going to do what needs to be done. We just got to understand that his time is not ours. Time, our, he's not on the same time. He's not counting these minutes like we do. Because to him, it's like, man, our little time, it's like a thousand years to him. Because he's infinite. See, he's going to show up in your circumstance 
right on time. And he's going to do what he needs to do to give you the hope that you need. He ain't late. If you're waiting on God right now, he is not late. And he don't mind you sometimes saying, God, where are you? Because he's going to let you know I'm right here. I'm coming. I got you. See, all I want you to do is have faith. Trust in me. See, that's, that's what it means when, when, when Abraham said he believed. He had faith. He, he, he. Let me move to my last point. Then I'm going to come back to Abraham. The last point, hope goes beyond rationality. See, we're trying to rationalize the hope of God. See, we look back at Abraham and Sarah. See, rational thinking would say, ain't no way they have no child. That's what rational thinking would say. See, the definition of rational, according to Merriam-Webster, is this. It's relating to, based on, or agreeable to reason. In other words, it's talking about common sense. What does common sense say? You ever hear people say, man, they got a lot of book sense, but they ain't got no common sense. <laughs> common sense. And in the case of Abraham and Sarah, common sense said, oh, they beyond that time. They can't have no child. Rational. But hope goes beyond the voice of reason. See, hope is not, you know, contained within reason. It, defy, it defiles common sense. See, if you're trying to understand the, or receive the hope of God and you're trying to rationalize it look, 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 through common sense, guess what? You're going to miss it. See, see, it requires belief. But to many, it's unbelievable. See, when you're standing in the hope of God, most people who don't understand that hope don't believe it's going to happen. They don't believe. It's going to happen. <laughs> see, see, hope for Abraham looked beyond. Abraham wasn't looking at the fact that I'm old. He knew he was old. But he wasn't looking at that. He was looking on the, he, he was holding on to the promise that God made. God, you said you're going to do that, so I'm expecting you to fulfill it. You said I'm going to be the father of many nations. I'm going, you know, that, that, that we're going to have a child. And so rational thinking don't agree with that. So it goes beyond rationality. <laughs> the same is true in Mary's case. See, when Mary went to the tomb, she went to the tomb to find Jesus lifeless. She went to the tomb to find him wrapped up in his grave clothes. Rational thinking wouldn't have said, oh, when you get there, he's going to be gone because he got up out the grave and the rock was moved out of the way that he's no longer there. See, ain't no way rational thinking is going to say he's going to be standing in the opening of the tomb saying, Mary, not rational thinking. Common sense say, oh, he died. That's the end of that. But hope goes beyond rationality. <laughs> but it wasn't until, 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 until hope defied logic. See, when he called her name in verse 16, when he said, 
Mary. She realized that he wasn't the gardener. <laughs> she turned and she noticed, oh my gosh, that's Jesus. She greeted him. She knew it was him. She probably got all excited. She got life back in her. See, her dead circumstance, her dead feeling, all the fog that was there was moved out the way. See, the reason I know that is because she had to have moved toward him. She probably was trying to grab him, to hug him, because he said, oh, don't cling to me. That's what let me know that, that what was dead had just all come back to life. But it's beyond rational thinking. Say, ah, you can't touch me yet because I have not yet ascended to my father. But I want you to go. I want you to go and tell everybody else that you saw me. And you notice that it's nowhere in the text that she says, Jesus, is that you for real? Uh, 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 no. She took off. I bet she was running. I bet her clothes was flying in the wind behind her. She was running so fast to get to, to them to say, Jesus is alive. So you could tell there was a shift when he called her name. Everything changed. See, she recognized he was alive. See, see, that's what we have to do in our circumstances. You got to understand, Jesus is waiting. He's going to call us. He's going to speak to us in our circumstance. And when he speaks to us, we don't have, don't doubt Jesus. Was that you? God, are you really going to do that? No, you got to all, Jesus, yes, Lord and begin to walk in that. See, when Jesus does that, then rational thinking goes out the window because it's beyond that. You can't contain Jesus in no rational thought, common sense. Sense ain't so common when it comes to Jesus because he's beyond that. She was full of life. See, I wonder what would happen in your circumstance today, if, 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 if in the moment where you took your time and you got into your little quiet place and you begin to say, Jesus, you know, God, I'm in despair. I, I got this fog. And right in the midst of that, Jesus spoke to you. In that moment. You look at him face to face. He telling you, I got it. See, understand something. What she thought was the end was truly the beginning. See, when he was taken down off that cross, they thought it was the end. But what it did, it reflected on something. It reflected on the fact that they didn't remember what he said or didn't have faith to believe that he said it or to have faith to believe that he was going to do it because he told them that he was coming back. He told them on the third day he was going to get up. And so maybe they didn't believe that. Maybe that's part of our problem. Maybe we don't believe that God's word says you can be healed. Maybe you don't believe that God said that he can restore what's broken. He can fix what's not right, that he can straighten the crooked places that 
He can give you favor beyond anything any man could give you that he can touch your life, that he can make you brand new. Maybe sometimes we don't believe that he's our provider, that he's our peace, that we can get joy. Our joy is in him, that he's our strength when we get weak and tired. Maybe we don't believe that we don't have to carry our burdens. Maybe we don't believe that. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Maybe we don't believe that he said I'm the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, even though he may die, yet he lives. He laid it all out. All we got to do is have a confident expectation that he's going to do what he said and watch him do it. See, it's about our belief. Our belief. Abraham, the scripture says that he believed and expected. See, see, Peter was saying, because of Christ, because of God's mercy, we now got a new, a living hope. He didn't say because Jesus died. But he said because of Jesus' resurrection. Because he got up, we have that life. Aren't you glad about that? See, we got hope that's resurrected all around us. We just got to understand that, 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 that we just have to grab hold to that and say, God, I know you're doing it and trust it in him. See, resurrecting hope is life-changing. When you get to a place where you understand what hope truly is, you have a confident expectation, it's nothing that can shake your foundation because you're no longer trusting in you. You're no longer looking at things through your physical eyes. You're beginning to see things through the spiritual and you're saying, God, I'm trusting you. If you said it, I believe it and that settles it and there's no way, no need to have no more discussion about it. See, what it does is it stares insurmountable odds right in the face. And it claims a victory because of the hope. Not the lies in us, but the hope that he gives us. You can stand on your feet. I'm about to close. I want to close with this state, this, this, this quote by N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright is a a New Testament scholar, and he's written many books, and he has a book that's called Surprised by Hope. See, again, he talks about, he wrote a book about hope that is an unexpected thing that we can all receive. This is what he says. He says, hope for the Christian is not wishful thinking or mere blind optimism. He kind of deep. But it's a mode of knowing, a mode within which new things are possible. Options are not shut down. New creation can happen. So we're not thinking about it, hoping that it's a coin flip. We're not saying, I'm going to close my eyes, I'm going to count to 10, and open my eyes, I'm hoping that something's going to be different. 
No. It's a confident expectation that God's going to do what he said he's going to do in your life. Bow your heads. Lord, we thank you, God, today. First, Father, for your mercy that you extend to us. The fact that, God, you, you loved us enough to send Jesus to repair what sin stole away from us. And God, we're so thankful, God, that because of your mercy, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. But he didn't just die for us, God, but he was resurrected. And because he was resurrected, we get to experience a living hope. Not a hope that's made by man, not a hope that's fashioned by the things of this world, but a hope that goes beyond anything in this human life. And so God, we thank you today, God, that we can experience this living hope and that we can have this confident expectation, God, that you're already doing the things that you said you're going to do. We don't have to guess about it. We don't have to wonder if it's going to happen. We don't have to, 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 to hope that, 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 man, maybe. We don't have to say maybe or, or. Hope so. But we can stand firm because of the resurrection, we have a hope a living hope, a confident expectation. So I pray today, God, that everyone under the sound of my voice, those that are joining us by live stream today, whatever, God, circumstance, situation, petition that they have, that, God, that they will begin from this moment to view it from a different lens, not from the lens of what was, not from the lens of what it looks like, not from the lens of what we've been told it's going to be, but from the lens of hope that comes from you. We thank you for that today. We know, God, that you're going to show up. We know that you're never late. We know that our hope can't be contained, God, in human reason. But it's beyond any rational thought that we have. So I pray today, God, that we will, God, as we go through this series of learning about hope, 
in different aspects of our lives. That by the end, God, of this time, we will have a confident expectation no matter what comes, no matter what life sends our way, no matter the circumstance we find ourselves in, but we have a hope that will not fail. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. Before I dismiss today, I, I want to extend an opportunity for someone who doesn't know Jesus to get to know him today. See, because if you're outside of him, you can't have the confident hope. Because your hope is not coming through the right source. And I don't want to leave today and not allow you the opportunity to, to come to know him. He's standing right now with his arms stretched out saying, come to me because I can change your life. I can make you brand new. I can take the old away and give you something that you never thought you would experience. And so if that's you today, I'm going to open up this altar and I'm going to invite you to come down so we can pray and so that we can celebrate together as you accept him. The enemy desires to kill, steal, and destroy your life. But God said, I came that you will have life. And not just any kind of life, but an abundant life. And so if you desire that abundant life today, if you desire to, to, to no longer allow the enemy to continue to keep you on your, your slow track, some of us on a fast track, killing, stealing, and destroying your life, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar, meet me here. I'm going to pray for you, pray with you. I'm going to bleed with you. I'm not going to take a whole long time because you already know right now God's already been dealing with you. I, I, I just sensed it from the beginning of service that he was going to be dealing with somebody. If you're online today, let us know. There are people that are on the other side of your device waiting for you to just click the link and say, hey, I need Jesus. We're going to pray in a minute, a corporate prayer. But it's something about making a step of faith, letting the devil know I'm no longer hiding. But I'm standing out and I'm making a public declaration that I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. So if you're here, I want you to come. Come on now. Before we dismiss, you need to come on. We'll wait again. Wait a few more minutes. It's 12 noon. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I always tell people the first step is the hardest step. But then it get easier as you started walking. It got a little bit easier then. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I can tell. See, see, took the first step. It was like hesitant. But those next steps was like, oh, I'm, I'm going. Because I'm going to meet the Savior. Hallelujah. Glory to your God. I know it's intimidating sometimes, but listen, you hear the claps. They're happy. People are excited. Because you're making that step. Come on, is there another one? I'm going to wait a few more minutes. I don't want you to leave without having the opportunity 
But I'm not going to leave this man here standing down there too long. We're going to pray in a minute. Y'all need to come on. But he not by himself. Y'all think he by himself, don't you? Oh, he's standing there by himself. No, he not. It's four of them down there. <laughs> now it's four. Pastor, ain't no four people down there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is standing right down there with him. They got their arms all around him. They're already working. They're already... Come on, would you come? I'm gonna make one more call. I'm gonna make one more. This is gonna be the last call. You know y'all we in the world, they say last call. Y'all get to run into the bar. <laughs> y'all know it, I did it too. Last call. But this call is the greatest call you can ever get. This is the greatest call. See, because this is not the last call. This is really the beginning of your new life. Come on, is there another one? Let's pray. Lift your hands to God today. Hallelujah. You got to pray today. This is your time to pray. You're going to ask God to come into your heart. It's a simple prayer. God did the hard work. He went to the cross. He took all the pain and suffering. But all we got to do is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. And it's just that simple. So I just need you to repeat after me, dear Jesus, and those of you that are in there, that are out there, that are right there, you're still hiding a little bit, you can repeat the prayer too. Those online today, dear Jesus, I come before you today, a sinner in need of a savior. And I believe in my heart, and I'm confessing with my mouth that you are the Lord and Savior of the world. Come into my life today, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me the new creation that you said I can be. Where the old is gone and the new has come. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. So you're no longer the same. You look the same on the outside, but the thing that took place is in your heart. So your heart has been changed today. So you are a new creation. And I would encourage you to walk with God and allow him to, to, to continue to, 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 to foster the internal because it's going to manifest on the external as you begin, as you continue to walk in his ways. Amen. You see that young man right there? Can you go with him for one moment? He just wants to get some information from you, help you along the way a little bit more. Come on, y'all lift your hands to God today. Oh, yeah, it's only it was one person down there. Yes, but it's a celebration because it doesn't matter. There's one snatched out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ today. If you're online today and you made that declaration, make sure you let us know. So we can come alongside of you as well. Lift your hands to God. Father, we thank you. We praise you today. We thank you, God, for resurrection hope. We thank you, God, that we can have a confident expectation, not a wishful thinking concerning, God, you in our lives. 
God, I ask that you be with your people today. Watch over us and keep us, God, as we, oh God, continue, God, to do your will, to do your work, to be a light, God, Lord, that shines bright in darkness. Lord, we thank you right now. Bless those that are online today. God, continue to be with them. Continue to watch over them. Keep us safe, God, and bring us back at our next appointed time. God, we thank you. And all God's people said amen. Come on, say it one more time. Come on, one more time. God bless you today. Thank you for listening. To connect with us, visit us at Bethelhampton.com and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and be the light.